It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. Good evening and welcome to the Virtual Bible Study. Tonight is Thursday, February the 22nd, and we're grateful for your... It is the 22nd, isn't it, Chris? All day long. All right, and we're grateful for your uh, participation in our program tonight. We hope that you'll... Uh, listen to the things that we're going to be discussing, but we also want you to participate in the things that we'll be discussing uh, by way of emails or phone calls as we go through the program tonight. My name is Greg Gwynn. I'm one of the regular hosts of the Virtual Bible Study. My son Jacob is uh, out of town tonight, and so uh, I'm manning the boards, and I'm a little bit nervous about doing that. Jacob usually takes care of all the technical stuff, but I'm going to do my best, and as far as I can tell right now, we're getting a stream out there. So uh, we're glad that you're listening, and we look forward to your participation on the program. If you'd like to get involved, write down this email address, questions at collegeview.com, questions at collegeview.com. That will get an email to us. And also you can call us. Our phone number is 931-381-4567. Again, that's 931-381-4567. We look forward to your participation. Joining me on the program tonight is good friend Chris Bates. Chris, welcome. Thank you, Greg, and I want to thank the elders for the opportunity to work with College View on the program tonight. we got a couple of topics that we suggested for discussion tonight that uh, they sort of run the spectrum of uh, legitimacy, uh, but I think are certainly interesting to a lot of people. We're going to start out tonight talking about astrology, a lot of people interested in astrology. And then before the program's over, we we want to spend some time talking about angels. Chris, I know a lot of people are interested in angels. I get a lot of questions from time to time about angels. Well, sure, and there have been a lot of TV shows about angels. You've had... Uh... Uh, Highway to Heaven, which starred Michael Landon several years ago, which was about an angel, you know, living among men. And uh, then, of course, other angel shows and things of that nature. People are interested in that. Yeah, so let's talk about that. If you have questions on either of those topics, send them in. If you have comments, be sure to let us know. Let's, let's start out talking about astrology. The Encyclopedia Americana defines astrology, Chris, as the study which assumes and professes to interpret the influence of the heavenly bodies on human affairs. The belief in the influence of heavenly bodies on human affairs and the practice or technique of predicting events from astronomical observance. In other words, we look at the stars, we see how the planets are lining up, and then we make some prediction about what that will bring to pass either today, tomorrow, or sometime in the future. And there have been a lot of folks who have made a good living off of that kind of, of thing and trying to impress others with their ability to interpret uh, when certain planets line up and what all of that means, if it means anything at all. That's right. Uh, now, we should spend just a minute making sure that we are clear that astrology is not astronomy. Astronomy is the legitimate study of the stars. Mm-hmm. In fact, astronomy uh, is defined as the objective scientific study of the stars and planets with a view toward understanding their motion and relation, not with a view toward their alleged influence on human conduct. So you can have an astronomer 
who studies the stars uh, from a scientific standpoint, where they're at, where they're going, and so forth. Mm-hmm. Astrology is different. It's, it's the idea that you can look at the stars and predict something about our lives, what's going to happen uh, in, in the day-to-day kind of occurrence. Um, I, I saw some stats, Chris. I thought it was kind of interesting. There are, there are over 175,000 part-time astrologers and 10,000 full-time astrologers in the United States. Wow. Can you imagine? 10,000 people making their full living from the practice of astrology. Over 2,000 daily newspapers carry horoscopes, which mm-hmm. are based upon sure. astrological observances or predictions about what your life might happen today based upon where the, so what's the sign of your stars. Depending on where you want to talk about this in the program, when we get to the idea of horoscopes, uh, I have some interesting insight for you on perhaps some of these horoscopes. And uh, when you want to hear about that, I'll try to yeah, part that, that too. Yeah, I want, I want to hear about that. Let me give you a little bit more history on this, Chris. Um, the practice of astrology became common among the ancient Babylonians. They studied the heavens and saw that the heavenly bodies had repeated patterns, and they came into conjunction forming various signs or rough pictures that were divided into 12 houses. Originally, it was thought that each of these houses was inhabited by dominant, a, a dominant god or gods, so astrology was anciently tied with idol worship, and it goes back to the days of the Babylonian Empire. I thought that was rather interesting. I think a lot of people who uh, play around with horoscopes and so forth don't understand that it has this real uh, foundation in pagan religion. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, that that is nothing more than idolatry, and surely we don't want to be involved in that kind of tomfoolery. Um, According to an article in the Seattle Times, it says, quote, history has shown that astrology thrives best in times of religious decline and mm-hmm. social unrest. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? So it's actually anti-true religion. In other words, it's the antithesis of that. It thrives when religion fails. Sure. And you can imagine then when there are detrimental events that take place on our soil, like the events of 9-11, and all of a sudden the hearts of people are turned towards uh, at least the consideration of spiritual things, I just wonder how many people um, compared to September the 10th, 2001, how many people on September 12th, 2001, looked to the paper for their horoscope that day, compared. I just wonder how how much smaller the number was. might be interesting to know that. Of course, no way to know, but it would be interesting to know. You know, these, and I think this is where maybe you have some illustrations, Chris, but these people who claim to be able to make legitimate predictions based upon the lineup the lineup of the stars and planets uh readers digest did a survey of predictions made by the three most popular british astrologers in one year of these three most popular astrologers in other words they're the ones most read after Mm -hmm. in england the top achiever the one who did best was right in only 12 out of his 30 predictions so you know only about a third about a third the 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 one who did worst was only correct in four out of thirty predictions that he made based upon what he claimed he saw in the stars. Mm-hmm. That that pretty much just sounds like wild guessing, doesn't it? Well, that's that's right. And you want to compare that to the prophets, you know, in the Old Testament, and even uh, the apostles in the New Testament, and those who had the ability to prophesy. How many times were they wrong when when the word of the Lord came to them? How many times were they wrong? Well, you remember the law of Moses said if they were wrong, they paid a price That's for right. it. Absolutely. You know, a false prophet was to be put to death mm-hmm. under the law of Moses. 
these astrologers and stargazers and seers of the future, as they claim, there, there seems to be no accountability with him. This guy probably, he, he was right only in only four out of 30 guesses, but he's probably still just as popular as ever. Well, that's right. And, and you and I could be right four out of 30 guesses on something. So this is, you know, this is nothing more than the glorified uh, idea of, of uh, well, when you compare it to the thing like gambling. You know, people give you a line on uh, what team is going to win and how many points are going to be uh, they're going to be favored by, and they seem to have some kind of insight into all of this. Well, this is nothing more than a glorified version of that, really. It's just guessing. It's just, yeah. and, and as you say, if you are a careful observer of mm-hmm. events. Uh, you could make you could probably do better than four out of sure. thirty if you just were reading the newspaper daily mm-hmm. and seeing how trends were going and so forth. You could make some educated guesses and sure. probably be accurate more than four out of thirty times. So that's what astrology is. That's a little bit of that. Chris, you, I think you were telling me the other day you had an example of somebody who believed in that sort of stuff. Give give me that story. Yeah, well, there's a couple of things I wanted to share about that. One of them was, you know, um, I worked for a radio station where we did something like a swap shop or a trading post where people would call in and uh, tell what they had to buy or sell or or talk about lost and found items and things like that. And here was a, a woman, a very nice lady, who had called and she would lost her dog. And so she wanted to advertise that. And then she called me back a, a couple of days later and said she wanted me to take that dog off of our announcements because she had found it. And I said, well, that's good. And she said, well, what I did was I went to a... Um, uh, one of these psychics, you know, one of these fortune tellers, and they told us that we would find our dog uh, near a fence. It was stuck near a fence, and that's where we would find our dog. And, of course, she found the dog, and it happened to be near a fence. And so I took the opportunity. We weren't on the air when this happened, but I took the opportunity to say to her, do you really believe that that psychic knew where that dog was? She said, well, we found it after she had told us. I said, let me ask you a question. Is that psychic a millionaire? What are the chances that that psychic can tell you where your dog is but can't tell you what the lottery numbers are going to be tonight? Why is it that that was so much more important? Because once you win the lottery with this psychic uh, assistance, you can buy however many of those dogs, and you can buy a great security fence to make sure that dog doesn't get out again. Uh, you know, that kind of nonsense. Uh, and along the lines of the well, you know, you were When you were telling me that story on the mm-hmm. phone the other day, I happened to be driving down the road on, talking to you on my cell right. phone. When you told, and you observed. And I just looked around, and there was a fence in every fence direction. Every, every direction. You know, if, if you're going to predict a lost dog going to be found near a fence somewhere, well, sure. that's no guess. Just in my neighborhood where I live, just in my neighborhood, there are fences all over the place in my neighborhood. Now, on the horoscope thing, this is this you might find interesting. Several years ago, when I was doing radio on a full-time basis, I had a morning show. One of the bits that I did, uh, a bit is just kind of a comical um, uh, relief type package we offer uh, on, our, on our programs, and I did something called horoscopes. Uh, I actually made these up every day. I would sit down and write out a horoscope. It was like a one-sentence deal. So you were making them up. Yeah, I was making them up every day, every single day. And, uh, and what would happen, how I did this was, and I knew these things weren't so. This wasn't something I was trying to. But everybody knew it was a bit. Well, that's right. Most people did. Uh, yet, if for some reason I didn't get to do the horoscopes that day, I got behind for doing other things on the show, 
I would have people call, and they would almost be, and I'm not kidding about this, they would almost be irate that I had not read the horoscopes. I made them up every day, and it would be something this simple. It was never, if you look at the paper and you look at the horoscope, sometimes it's about a paragraph per uh, per sign. Uh, mine was always just one sentence. It was a quick one-line sentence. Something odd happens at the mall today. That was what it would be, just something like that. A new car is in the future, something along those lines. These kind of, were the things, kind of things anybody could get. Well, that's right. And what I would do is I would sit down every day after my morning show was over, and I would write out horoscopes for the next day based on based on what seemed to happen to me the day before. I would think back to all the things that happened to me the day before. Uh, a song gets your attention today. Well, I remember the song. A song got my attention. It was I'm gonna write this out for Libra. You know, and people would. Well, the call. thing, what you're illustrating there, Chris, is that people will believe almost anything. That's right. And what I really wanted to drive home about that, though, and you know, we're, we're gonna get on with this. But what I really wanted to drive home about uh, the horoscope business and that kind of nonsense and poppycock is that. Um, you have all of these papers. How many papers did you say? 2,000. 2,000 papers carried horoscope. The Tennessean is one of those papers. Uh, I'm sure the Columbia Herald here in Columbia might carry them. Uh, I'm sure that our papers in my county carry them. Uh, there are any number of papers you can get. Now, let's suppose you're a Taurus. I am the sign of Taurus. Uh, I could get the Tennessean today. I could get the USA Today today. And my horoscope, quote unquote, is going to be in that in those papers. But they won't but be the same. They're going to be different yeah. in every case, and they may be drastically different. One may say heartbreak doesn't suit well with you. The other one may say, uh, you know, this is the greatest weekend of your life that's coming up. Get ready for some incredible excitement. Those are two different extremes, way way apart from one another. But people would believe, and and it's whichever my, one they read, they would believe. That's right. And my point about all of that is. The very fact that you have all of these people that are – and what makes you think when you read that horoscope that that is absolutely for you and yet it's your sign and all these kind of things, uh, you just begin to trust someone you don't even know. And my point about some of that is, Greg, if that's what I did when I was writing these silly horoscopes, how do you know? How do you know that's not what these people are doing exactly. when they put them in their papers? They're just making them up. That's right. Before we go to a break, I want to indicate that you know we've been we, we haven't even mentioned the Bible, but yet, but you know the Bible talks about this. That's right. It, it, it is mm-hmm. it is referenced in the Bible. For instance, in the book of Isaiah, chapter forty-seven, verses thirteen through fifteen, Isaiah is prophesying against the wicked Babylonian Empire, and he says there, Isaiah forty-seven, beginning verse thirteen: Thou art wearied in the multitude of thy counsels. Let now the astrologers, the stargazers, the monthly prognosticators stand up and save thee from these things that shall come upon thee. Behold, they shall be as stubble. The fire shall burn them. They shall not deliver themselves from the power of the flame. None shall save thee. Well, Babylon was known, as we said earlier, as the birthplace of astrology. Mm-hmm. And Isaiah is saying, go to those astrologers. They won't be able to save you when God, when the real God of heaven sends his wrath, there'll be no relief to you. And then in 2 Kings chapter 23, 2 Kings 23 verse 5, we read about the reign of good King Josiah. We know that he put in a number of reforms in Judah trying to bring the people back in line with God's will. And notice what it says he did in 2 Kings 23 verse 5. He put down the idolatrous priest whom the kings of Judah had ordained to burn incense in the high places in the cities of Judah and in the places round about Jerusalem, them also that burned incense unto Baal to the sun and to the moon and to the planets and to all the host of heaven. They were worshiping the stars, Chris, and Josiah kicked them out. 
wouldn't allow that to go on. And so, uh, you know, someone might say, well, this, is this even a Bible subject? Well, it really is. And we read, we read historical reference to it in the Bible. So that's, that's a, I think an interesting point. We're going to go to a break. When we come back, we want to hear from you. Let me give you our email again, questions at collegeview.com. Our phone number 931. 931- Three eight one four five six seven, and now'd be a good time to get in. Send us a message. Tell us what you know about astrology. We'll be right back right after this break. Don't touch that mouse. The virtual Bible study will be back right after this. Hi, my name is Mike Smith, and I'm a member of the College of Church of Christ on Hampshire Pike. Let me ask you some questions. Do you remember when churches insisted on Bible authority for everything they did? Can you recall when church members always expected they thus saith the Lord? Can you remember when the church was well known for its book, chapter, and verse style of teaching and preaching? Are you upset because the church you're attending doesn't always, doesn't always approach things this way anymore? Does it concern you that elders and preachers don't seem to care about Bible authority at all? We're still striving to do everything according to the New Testament pattern. If you're looking for a church like the one you remember from the past, please visit us soon at the College of Church of Christ this Sunday at 9.30 a.m. I'm James Buchanan from Columbia, Tennessee, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. We're back, and we welcome you again to the virtual Bible study. We are talking about astrology here for a few minutes. It's a popular topic. Lots of people follow the the uh, uh, horoscopes in the paper, and they're interested in what the astrologers will say about their lives. What does the Bible say? Well, we've already seen the Bible make reference to it, and our first indication from looking at the Bible is it's a negative thing in God's eyes. You mentioned King Josiah there and what he was doing. Uh, again, what are we talking about? We're talking about horoscopes. We're talking about uh, supposed predictions based on your sign, your birth month, your sign, and how these planets line up and stars line up and all this nonsense. But what we just read about what Josiah was doing was actually a prophecy being fulfilled. Remember the young prophet who was dealing there with Jeroboam uh, way back when he came to Bethel, and uh, he even told Jeroboam that Josiah was going to do things like this. He was going to sacrifice the priests and whatnot that they had appointed that they should not have. And my point is that that wasn't just a mere prediction that may or may not have come to pass. God said this through this young prophet. So we see a contrast between real prophecy and fakery. And that, that's right. Again, you know, and when the Lord reveals something, Greg, it's not a jumbled up bunch of mess. It's not a, uh, a mass of confusion, whereas if you were to take every horoscope from every paper that you could buy in the, in the bookstores that carry all of these papers on a daily basis, you would be in an utter state of confusion. Exactly right. Here's an example of that confusion. Uh, Mike here in Columbia has sent in an email. He says, one of the most widely known psychics, astrologers of our time, was Miss Jean Dixon. She died January 26, 1997, at the age of 79. She was a self-proclaimed prophet of God, and she claimed to be similar to Isaiah and John the Baptist. We know that a true prophet of God does not make false prophecies. However, she made many prophecies that did not come to pass. Three of her failed prophecies were, one, the Russians would be the first to land a man on the moon, Two, the Vietnam War would end in 1966. Three, Richard Nixon would not resign from the presidency. <laughs> She's pretty wrong, wrong on all those. Right. She's batting a thousand, isn't she? Mike says uh, it's sad that many people would have placed their faith in someone like Gene Dixon. Leviticus 19.31 says, Give no regard to mediums and familiar spirits. Do not seek after them to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. Mike, and Clement. Mike thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study tonight. Good points for sure. Um, you know, 
as we think about this and what the Bible says, Chris, we know that that astrology and stargazing and making such predictions has always been an abomination to God. Deuteronomy 18, verses 10 through 14 says, There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or daughter to pass through the fire, or that uses divination, or an observer of the times, or an enchanter or witch or charmer. Um, he goes on a little bit longer. He says, These are all abominations to the Lord our God. Adam Clark says, the, I'm reading the King James there, and it uses the expression observer of the times. Adam Clark says that that phrase means one who pretends to foretell future events by present occurrences and who predicts great political or, or physical changes from the aspects of the planets, eclipses, motions of the clouds, etc. So Adam Clark says that the King James expression observer of the times there is what we would call today an astrologer. Mm-hmm. And that's an abomination to God, it says. Absolutely it is. And uh, again, as we've, as we've demonstrated, the people of God, the Old Testament, uh, in the Old Testament, were uh, to be a holy people, just like the people of the New Testament, and were not to be engaged in that kind of foolishness. Got another email here from Dean in uh, Tullahoma, Tennessee. And uh, he says, uh, I had brethren ask me about the farmer's I said, Tullahoma, I'm not sure that Dean is from Tullahoma. I'm not sure where he's from. Uh, I've had brethren ask me about the Farmer's Almanac concerning its relationship to astrology. Some would say that astrology is wrong, would follow the Farmer's Almanac. Is there a comparison here? What are your thoughts? I'm just not really up in Farmer's Almanac. You got anything on that, Chris? Um, I may may be wrong, and and Dean, if you're you're still listening, I hope that you'll send another email if if I get this wrong. I'm not not really up on it either. I think it's the idea of uh, some of the signs, quote-unquote, about as to when you should plant uh, a particular crop and, you know, uh, those kind of things. And, and it even carries over into their calendars that, you know, the sign may be in the head on this day, the sign may be in the heart on that day, the sign may be in the legs. I can remember a Christian, by the way, a Christian telling me one day that I should not be going to get my wisdom teeth cut out on a certain day because the sign was in the heart. And when the sign is in the heart and you have surgery, you're going to just bleed almost to death. Well, I didn't buy into that. I didn't buy into that at all. And I wasn't a Christian back then myself. She was, I wasn't. And I just didn't believe that. And so I went and did it in spite of it and was back at work the next day having all four wisdom teeth cut out and bled so very little. The point is, it didn't matter what day of the week it was. It just mattered uh, how, how that doctor did his job. He did his job very well on me, and I was back at work the next day, regardless of the fact the sign was in the heart. Now, Farmer's Almanac, I think, primarily is the idea of you know the, the, the time in which you should plant uh, certain crop and that kind of thing, and uh, you know certainly there are. I know people be... who do that. I know people who take into mm-hmm. account the phase of the moon or the position right. of the moon when they plant. Now, I would not, I would not argue the fact that the the moon, for instance, does have certain sure. physical effect sure. on the earth. I don't know if it would affect how plants grow when they're planted, well, but I mean the the. Uh, gravitational pull of the moon is strong enough to cause tides mm-hmm. in the oceans, and so it may. It, now that would I don't think that's the same as trying to predict that right. you know uh, your third uncle on your mother's uh, father's side yeah. is going to well, die clearly, and leave you a million dollars. And I mean that there's, that's a big right. difference. There. Yeah. Well, clearly, again, there there is a time to plant certain crop, and there's a time not to plant certain crop. And the point would be that if the farmer's almanac were to be so I'm not sure that it follows astrology or not maybe it does but if it is to be believed as so if we can find just one farmer throughout history who has followed the almanac to its T and has not seen his crop 
produced the way it's supposed to based on what that almanac says or something along those lines, then uh, then it's not so. Well, what I would say, I guess, in answer to all that is if if we're if the Farmer's Almanac gives some physical information about physical conditions on Earth, maybe affected by the position of the moon and so forth, that's different than an astrologer who sees the alignment of the stars and says, now's a good time for you to marry somebody, Christian. Right, right. Now's a good time for you to invest sure. money. That, that's completely unrelated, and that's what we're talking about here. Again, on those calendars that show about the sign being in the heart, the sign being in the head, sign being in the knees, sign being in the legs, and all that kind of thing, uh, some of those calendars actually have the weather, the sunrise and the sunset. It's very interesting if you look at the weather, like in January for today, and see how way off it is. Because the, weather, of this, the weatherman can't make predictions even. I mean, it's one thing to try to predict the weather a week in advance, let alone a year in advance. They're trying to predict the weather a year in advance, put it on these calendars. And, and again, you know, this, this is just really questionable. Okay, Dean sent a follow-up uh, email here. He says, I'm not really up on either. That's why I ask you. Uh, <laughs> I think that you said what you said is correct. Uh, he says he's in Leesville, Louisiana, by the way. Dean, we're glad you're listening tonight. Thanks for being yeah, out there. I can there. see how you get Leesville and Tullahoma mixed up there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, uh, we got a message from Marcus in Louisville, Kentucky. He says, what about the wise men in the New Testament? Did they not study astrology? Um, in Matthew chapter 2, Chris, beginning in the first verses, the wise men came from the east to Jerusalem saying, Sir, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. There's a, I think there's a good bit of mythology associated with those wise men. Just about all that we know about them is what is said right there. Mm -hmm. There was a star, yeah. and they saw it. And so they came following it. They were wise men. Part of their wisdom is in that they uh, came seeking Jesus, and they were believers in Jehovah God, and uh, so forth and so on. Uh, to say that they were astrologers would be a leap that I don't think you can make from the information supplied. Well, that's right. And again, this the, the whole event around the birth of Christ is a miraculous event from heaven. And so uh, this all is going to go to the glory of the Lord anyway, what we're reading in Matthew chapter 2. We're not reading about astrology. There are people who found the Lord being uh, just shortly having been born based on the study of the stars. But uh, this was a miracle, an event that took place to, to uh, announce the birth of the Son of God. Exactly right, and it was from God. That's right. All right, real quickly, we're just we're going to wrap up this discussion of astrology because we want to talk a little bit about angels, Chris. But let let me give you a little bit of summary of how I think we should view this. Mm -hmm. Astrology, of course, we said it was an abomination to God. It contradicts two fundamental Bible principles. One is that God rules the universe, not the alignment of the stars. Right. God is in control. And the other thing is that man is a free moral agent accountable for his actions. You know, astrology would lead us to believe, oh, well, a fellow can't help it. It's just in his stars. It, the stars right. just lined up that way that day, and, and, he, and he was sort of powerless to do anything else. We know the Bible teaches that men are accountable for their deeds. I think, by the way, this star business here about Jesus and the wise men seeing that star uh, could very well have been fulfillment of a prophecy, Numbers 24:17. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come forth from Jacob. A scepter shall rise from Israel and shall crush through the forehead of Moab and tear down all the sons of Sheth, although this would not have been 
an absolute everything uh, in that fulfilled in Christ. It could have had one of those double prophecies, uh, just like when there was a prophecy made about Solomon. It was also carried over in the Hebrew letter about Christ. So I think that this could very well have been a fulfillment of prophecy and okay. not so much astrology. Okay, give that. Uh, you already turned your page. Numbers twenty four seventeen. Okay, Numbers twenty four seventeen. One other thing that we would point out is that this whole business of astrology suggests that there's a need for additional revelation. We don't have everything that we need. we 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 got to get some message somehow, so let's look at the stars and see what they tell. The Bible tells us it's everything we need to know. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, His divine power hath given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that called us to glory and virtue. We don't need the stars. We don't need a message from the stars. We don't need an astrologer to try to predict things based upon how the planets are, are setting we got God's word, and it's all sufficient. Absolutely. Hebrews 1, 1, and 2 tells us that God has spoken, and there's nothing else left to be said. If there is, please tell us what it is. Well, uh, it is a topic that I think gets lots of attention. There are a lot of believers in it. I, I was reading another statistic that suggests as much as one-third of the U.S. population regularly reads their horoscope and believes what they well, read. Right. Well, there's something else about astrology. I know you're wanting to move on to angels, but there's something else we didn't even touch on, and it's connected to it so very closely, and that's things like Sylvia Brown. And Sylvia Brown is, uh, is uh, considered a psychic who is able to communicate with the dead. So she can go on these talk shows, namely Montel Williams, and with no effort whatsoever, someone can ask her this question. You know, I want to know, uh, you know, I always felt bad about the way I left things with my father, and then he died two years after we kind of quit talking, and I never got to really tell him how much I love him. Oh, he knows. He just said, he said something about something white and something left, and, oh, that reminds me of my white shirt to the left of my bed on the room, you know, in my bedroom. This is all this nonsense. Let me let me take you back, Chris, to a verse that we read earlier. Deuteronomy 18 uh, mentions of, of those who are an abomination to God, those who use divination, an observer of the times, which we said is an astrologer, an enchanter, a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. Right. And I understand that a consulter with familiar spirits and a necromancer might be those who suggested they could talk to the dead. And of course, that's there, an abomination there, there, there to God. That's right. There was at least one occasion where we can see that uh, with Samuel, I think, being when, a, when, being when the witch of Endor right. called up Samuel. And what I think is so interesting about that, she was more shocked than anybody, proving that she was a general fake. Right. And when when a, when a spirit did come at her beckon. She was more shocked than anybody else. Right, absolutely. Well, but I don't think that, and the point is, I don't think that goes on today. The time of those kinds of, of abilities and powers has ceased in this New Testament age. We're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about the subject of angels. You can get in, send us an email, questions at collegeview.com, or give us a phone call, 931-381-4567. We'll be back right after the break. Don't touch that mouse. The virtual Bible study will be back right after this. Hi, my name is Mike Smith, and I'm a member of the College of Church of Christ on Hampshire Pike. Let me ask you some questions. Do you remember when churches insisted on Bible authority for everything they did? Can you recall when church members always expected they thus saith the Lord? Can you remember when the church was well known for its book, chapter, and verse style of teaching and preaching? Are you upset because the church you're attending doesn't always, doesn't always approach things this way anymore? Does it concern you that elders and preachers don't seem to care about Bible authority at all? We're still trying to do everything according to the New Testament pattern. If you're looking for a church like the one you remember from the past, please visit us soon at the College of Church of Christ this Sunday at 9.30 a.m. 
I'm James Buchanan from Columbia, Tennessee, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. And we're back. I think that we just played the same set of commercials the second time there, Chris. That, that, right it there, happens. It right happens. there's evidence of the fact that Jacob should be running the board. Oh, uh, no, no, no. I clicked on the wrong well, thing. But it, you all got to hear those ads twice, so you're the, you're the benefit, you get the benefit of them twice, so. Someone, uh, someone practiced a little witchcraft. <laughs> we're back, though. We want to, we want to open up the discussion to you. Give us a phone call, 931-381-4567, or send us an email, questions at collegeview.com. We've talked some about astrology. I want to talk about another topic. You know, we said astrology, Chris, is basically just a lot of hocus pocus. It's sure. not true. There's sure. not, there's no, there's nothing to We want to talk about something that there is something to, a real thing, and that is angels. I think angels also have a, a people have a lot of interest in angels. You know, they want to know mm-hmm. about angels. And so uh, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, the first thing that I would point out, I think you can ask all kinds of questions. We've already got some questions on the board about angels. You can ask a whole lot of questions that we can't answer, Chris, because we just don't have all the information. Well, sure. Deuteronomy 29.29 says the secret things belong to God. So there are going to be some things that... Uh, we don't know, and apparently, because of that, there are things we don't need to know and shouldn't lay awake at night trying to figure out. If it's not revealed for us in the Word, we should be uh, satisfied with that. Exactly right. We got to we got to be content with what information God sure. has chosen to give. If, if it was if it was needed information, God would have told us. And since yeah. He didn't tell us, then it's not needed information. Sure. Um, first thing I'd point out about angels, though, we do know some things, uh, and one of them is that they are created beings. Mm-hmm. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, it says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. We believe that only God is eternal. When we're speaking of God in the sense of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit, they are eternal without beginning or end. Everything else is created, including the angels of heaven. They're created beings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think Nehemiah 9.6 says the same thing. Thou, even thou, art Lord alone. Thou hast made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their host, the earth and all the things that are therein, the seas and all that's therein. Thou preservest them all, and the host of heaven worshipeth thee. And so angels are created beings. I think that's a bit of information that's worth knowing. I don't know what it really tells us about it, but it's worth noting that they are like us and that they are created. Mm-hmm. We know something about their rank, Chris, that they are higher of higher order than man but lower than god mm-hmm. and so that's that's one of the things to keep in mind um and the Hebrew writer spoke about that. In Hebrews 1.13, he says, But to which of the angels said he at any time, Sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? And that is, by the way, in connection with proving the deity of his son. Exactly right. So they're, they're, the angels are lower than God, but they're higher than man because the text uh, in, in that same section, Hebrews 2 verse 9, we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. So, Angels created, they're lower than God, mm-hmm. but of a higher rank than man has. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even having said that, we should point out that they're not to be worshipped. In Revelation 19.10, when John was receiving the revelation, he started to bow down and worship an angel. Mm-hmm. In Revelation 19.10, the angel, it says, I fell at his feet to worship him, and he said to me, See thou, do it not. I am thy fellow servant 
and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And so he, he wouldn't allow John to worship him. He says, you worship God. And again, that, that goes to show the fact that they, being created beings, do not hold the same honor as the Creator does. So, uh, you know, we want to keep that in its proper perspective because some of these, again, some of these ideas people have based on uh, fantasies, or based on television shows, based on false doctrine, is that, uh, you know, we need to place a greater emphasis on angelic majesties and things of that nature. Uh, if, if I might say, we at, at Main Street, where I'm preaching, uh, in Chapel Hill, we had some folks that actually left uh, the congregation where we're working several years ago because they wanted to uh, have more emphasis placed on angelic majesties and that kind of uh, uh, romance, if you will. And they have ended up now with the Episcopalian Church, which places a great deal of emphasis on those kind of things. And, of course, uh, you know, they have given up the truth of the gospel for something for, mysterious. For, for something mysterious, yes. Got an email from Jared in Cookville, Tennessee, and he simply asked, "Have you ever been touched by an angel?" <laughs> I think Jared's joking with us. Yeah. People have said that I, I've been touched, but right. not by. An yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, the word angel, Chris, it just means messenger. Mm -hmm. That's all it means. Uh, that's right. The literal meaning of angel is messenger. And we've got an email here, uh, and I don't have a name, but the questioner asks, in the, in the book of Revelation, each of the seven letters, chapters 2 and 3, each of the seven letters is addressed to the angel. In other words, the angel of the church at mm -hmm. Ephesus and so forth. Who do you think the angel is? Any thought? Um, you know, I, I don't have a, a, again, because the scriptures do not reveal uh, who that may be, and we need to keep the book of Revelation in its general context. It was written in signs. You know, no other epistle contains the language that the book of Revelation does. Every time um, a, an epistle was written, it was either addressed to an individual or to a church. Um, and so the book of Revelation, you know, there there is, there is uh, some suspecting that you know, the first century, the book of Revelation is being written. Christians are being persecuted. This letter would not perhaps have gotten the circulation that it enjoyed were it not for the wisdom of God and having it written in such a way that the people who were oppressing the Christians didn't understand it, so they didn't care to let it go. Well, so it's difficult to know who the So you're is. saying there's a lot of symbolism. That's right. Figurative yeah, language. No question about it. And, and I'm wondering here, and this is, just, this is just a suggestion on the angel. The word angel means messenger. So the Lord was saying, Get this message to the church at Ephesus. Get this message to the church at Laodicea. And, and by saying to well, the angel of the church, he may be just saying, get this message there. I think that that's certainly um, you know, a workable theory, and I, I'm not saying that I disagree with it. But again, consider this. What, are, what is the word written for? What is the word of God written for? What is it for? You know, I mean, there's no... There's no specific answer I'm looking for other than what the Scriptures teach. What is the word for? It is for our learning. It is for our instruction. It is for our coming to the knowledge of the truth and the salvation that uh, belongs to those who serve the Lord by faith, the salvation that is granted to those by grace, and on and on we go with what the word is for. Whom is it written to? It is written to those who are accountable. It is written to those who uh, are going to have the capacity to serve the Lord. And thus, notice verse 1 of chapter 2 of the book of Revelation. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, write. All right, well, what, 
what is this word? Who is this word being written to? Is it being written to the angels? And yet it's being recorded for us. So it seems to me from based on that very statement and the others that go along with it, that this is written to the human element, to the human. And, and I think that the, that the word angel there would be just con- tying in the idea of a message or That's a messenger right. to the church. Because I'm not sure that we have access to all of the information given by God to the angels of heaven. We do have access to the information God has given and communicated from heaven to man. Here it is in the Word. This is written to the angel of the church in Ephesus, yeah. and yet the church in Ephesus received the letter. Exactly. You understand? Yeah, what I, I see what you're saying. I think it's right. A um, little Bible trivia for you. I always hesitate to use the word Bible and trivia in the same sentence, but here's a little <laughs> Bible trivia. Angels have individual identity, uh-huh. and we know that by virtue of the fact that some angels' names are yes. given to us in the Bible. Name uh, one. Michael is is the Michael. archangel. And Gabriel. Gabriel. That's the only two I know of. If if any of our uh, listeners know of more, I know. But but what that proves is that they do have specific individual identity, which mm-hmm. is interesting. And there's rank because, as you said, Michael is called the archangel in Jude verse nine. So archangel, highest angel, suggests that there's an order of rank right. or a hierarchy. By among the way, angels. that word means chief, chief yeah. angel. Yeah. So we don't, you know, again, there's a lot about that that we don't know. Mm-hmm. But that, there's a little bit of an insight. We know they have individual identity. We know that they that they have an order or a system right. of rank or hierarchy. Here, here's something else about that. Even though there is a an order or a system of rank or a hierarchy, as you say, even that. Uh, inherent order does not give them the right to differ with the revealed will of God. Remember what Paul said to the Galatians, that if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what you have received and to what we have preached, he and that angel is to be accursed. Galatians 1, verses 8 and 9. That's exactly a good point. So they're higher than men, Mm -hmm. but they don't have a right to contradict what God has revealed to man. Absolutely. All right, good point, good point. Bible says that there are lots of angels. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22, it speaks of an innumerable company of angels. Yeah, my translation says myriads of angels. Myriads of angels. Uh, Matthew 26, verse 53, Jesus said, when they came uh, to take him, he said, Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my Father, and he presently give me more than 12 legions of angels. So there's lots of them. We don't know how many, but there are just lots of angels. But interestingly, they each have individual identity and rank. Legion, uh, some translations differ on that, and uh, I have a margin that says that is the equivalent of 6,000 troops, so that would be, what, 72,000 or so? Uh, as if to say 72,000 angels. But again, we're not talking about a literal number here. Uh, we're just, you know, we're just showing that there are an innumerable amount of angels. We got a phone call from Keith in Lynchburg. Keith, you're on with us on the virtual Bible study. Can you hear us? Hello, Keith. If he can, we can't hear him. Is there, hear is there a setting up here we need to be messing with? Uh, let's see here. Yeah. We need Keith, an engineer. Keith, can you hear us? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. There we go. We got the right button. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're on with you're on with us on the virtual Bible study. You're in Lynchburg, Lynchburg, Tennessee. Uh huh. All right. Go ahead. Oh, uh, I was just wondering. Uh, you were talking about that angels were a higher order than uh, humans. Uh, what about First Corinthians six three, where it talks about we shall judge angels? And uh, if you would elaborate uh, on some, I've heard uh, rumors uh, about Satan's fall from. Uh, heaven, 14, and 
Ezekiel 28, and I'll just hang up with you. Okay, Keith, thanks for your call. Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study. Uh, Chris, you nodded your head there when he mentioned 1 Corinthians 6, verse 3, Know ye not that we shall judge angels. What's that mean? Uh, you know, I, I think that uh, it, it is my impression that it it is a description of the way in which we live, and uh, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not exactly sure. Uh, I was I was uh, waiting on someone to bring that passage up, plus the idea of Satan falling from heaven. Now I have I have some clear insight on that, I think. But uh, Paul is dealing with matters here in First Corinthians six that should be settled before the elders of the church, and as a matter uh, within the local church, rather than being taken to the courts and all of that kind of thing and arguing a case before unbelievers, he says in verse two, "Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? If the world is judged by you, are you?" not competent to constitute the smallest law courts. Uh, And so he goes on then to say, do you not know that we will judge angels how much more matters of this life? So if you have law courts dealing with matters of this life, do you appoint them as judges who are of no account in the church? So again, I think that the idea is uh, that we might judge them by way of the the life that we're living. Comparison. In other words, our life will be held up in comparison to the angels. In other words, if we've been obedient, Mm -hmm. faithful servants of God, that's the same standard. That standard will be held up to the angels. Absolutely. Where they were obedient servants Mm -hmm. of God. Um, As to the question is, and I, I thought this probably would come up, and I think it's a worthy question. Is Satan a fallen angel? You know, there's this there's this theory. And I have to say it's a theory because the Bible doesn't teach it. There's this theory that that Satan was an angel in heaven, but he led a rebellion against God, and he was cast down. That's where Satan came from. That's the story that goes. And some people tried to tie in, but they say that as he fell, as he fell from God, his, we're talking about his name too, that he was Lucifer. Yeah, they will refer to Satan as Lucifer, the fallen angel. Well, and that comes from Isaiah 14 verse 12. It says, "How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations?" And so the, some try to tie in that verse, but that's not a reference to Satan. And the name Lucifer, that's a reference to the king of Babylon. Isaiah was told just in verse 4, just before that, he said, Take up this proverb against the king of Babylon and say, How hath the oppressor ceased, the golden city ceased. So that reference of Lucifer falling from heaven was an expression about uh, uh, the king of Babylon falling from his exalted position. God was going to bring judgment on Babylon. And this kind of language was typical of the description of governments. When you talk about the sun and the moon, you're talking about governing bodies in the in the solar system. The sun governs the light. The moon governs the night. And you're, you, when you deal with the sun, the moon, the stars, you're talking about a system of government in prophetic language more often than not. And so so when you talk about the king of Babylon or Lucifer being a day star, star of the morning, you're talking about a place in almost like a type of government. And, and Lucifer was the king of Babylon, Isaiah 14 at verse 4. Yeah. Nebuchadnezzar, by the way. we got a little bit more we want to talk about that, but it's time for a break. We're going to go to our last break, and when we get back, we'll go to the top of the hour. Um, stay, stand by and give us a phone call, 931-381-4567. Or send us an email, questions at collegeview.com. We'll be right back. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. Hello, everyone. I'm Monty, a member of the College View Church of Christ. So you've been hearing all about the College View Church of Christ on the virtual Bible study and are interested in finding out more about the church. But you live hundreds of miles away from Columbia, Tennessee, and can't come and visit with the congregation to find out more. 
There's no reason to fear. After all, we live in the 21st century. Here's what you can do to find out more about the College View Church of Christ. First, why don't you check out our website while you're listening to the virtual Bible study? You'll find important information about the church there, including bulletin articles there on various subjects, and can even listen to sermons that have been presented at the College View Church in the past. Secondly, if you have questions about the church or about any Bible teaching, why don't you send an email to us and let us know how we can help. Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. That address, once again, is questions at collegeview.com. We can even have a personal Bible study with you over email if you desire. And finally, if you would rather talk with someone in person, give us a call at 931-381-4567. That's 931-381-4567. You can call this number anytime. If you don't get an answer, leave a message and we'll call you back as soon as we can. We're glad you're listening to the virtual Bible study and hope to hear from you soon. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. All right, and we're back at the Virtual Bible Study. By the way, those sounds, those sound bites, uh, those intros and, and those little promos, you might recognize that voice. That's Chris Bates, oh, our, our, our guest tonight. Chris has always helped us with uh, doing some of our uh, promos. Chris, we thank you for that. Mm-hmm. And he's on the program live with us tonight to talk about some interesting subjects. We're talking about angels. I, I want to real quickly uh, continue that discussion about Satan, a fallen angel. Satan, are the demons other angels who fell with him? It may be the Bible doesn't prove that, and you couldn't right. prove that from the Bible. I don't right. think if your life depended on it. But in Jude, the book of Jude, verse 6, it says, The angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness until the judgment of the great day. So there were some angels who didn't stay in their proper place, didn't observe their proper position, and they were they were set aside and designated for eternal punishment. Now, some people say that's talking about when Satan led that rebellion in heaven uh, and other angels followed him, uh, but that's speculative. It just doesn't well, say it, that. it is because it says he's kept in eternal bonds under darkness. They're not out. Satan is roaming about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Now, he's bound in the sense that uh, he is not able to possess an individual anymore, as uh, was the case during the time of the New Testament's beginnings, and, or the time of Christ, because all of this was going to show the strength of God versus the weakness of the devil. Uh, since the completion is here, the perfect, 1 Corinthians 13 at verse 8, in the word of God, we don't have any uh, reason for such miracles to take place anymore. Now Satan is bound as to what he's able to do. His, his ability remains concerning the temptation of man, but to um, to overtake man's will, that is just not the case. Now, one more thing. Uh, we were talking about um, Lucifer in Isaiah 14. I think our caller said something about Ezekiel 28. I think that's right. I don't know for sure. But Ezekiel 28 uh, is dealing with the king of Tyre and not um, not the devil there. Okay. All right. Got an email from Jimmy in Tullahoma, Tennessee, and Jimmy says, Is it wrong for Christians to have figurines of angels in their houses? Um I don't know. Uh, I don't. I don't have any. I don't want any. Right. I would. I would I, I warn. Would, uh, I would ask this question in response to that. Okay. Um, and I'm not necessarily talking to, to Jimmy. And I'm just. I, by the way, I know who he is, and so I'm not presuming to address this question to him. He is much wiser than me. But I would wonder if, if could we have that and have a picture of what is presumed to be Jesus in our homes also. 
Uh, if not, why not? Well, I think that the thing I would say, and I, I, I do not suggest that everybody who has a figurine of right. an angel in their house yeah. is doing this. But remember, we said earlier in Revelation 19, verse 10, angels are not to be worshipped. And and so, I mean, you may have an angel sure, and you may not mean anything by it, but I certainly wouldn't want to set it up as an object of, yeah. of I mean, it's, undue reverence. It's a general reverence. question, so it's hard to answer specifically. But, you know, I mean, the, the question for me would be about motive. What What is the motive for having that kind of thing? Uh, displayed in your home? What is the motive for having a picture of Jesus displayed, the motive for having an angel displayed, uh, or what? even for that matter, what we, what we assume an angel might look like? There are some angels who apparently do not look like this heavenly being that we conjure up in our minds because the Hebrew writer said that some have entertained angels unaware. They look like men sometimes. Yeah. Exactly right. So they take on different form. Sure. Got an email. I got. In fact, this came in earlier today when Mark in Cookville, Tennessee, found out we're going to be talking about angels. He asked a question. He said, uh, "Do angels have wings? Can it be shown from the Bible?" A Christian mentioned to me that angels are never described in the Bible as having wings. I hadn't thought of that before. The one thing we came up with is the cherubim on the Ark of the Covenant had wings pointing to each other uh, in the form of the mercy seat, to form the mercy seat. That's uh, that is, by the way, in Exodus 25 verses 18 through 20, and Mark's right about that. That's that's the only place where you might come up with the idea that angels have wings. You'd have to prove, and I was doing a little looking at this earlier today. You'd have to prove that the cherubims were angels. I don't know any place in the Bible that makes a direct correlation between cherubims and angels and says that cherubims are angels. Some people have, you know, we were saying earlier, Chris, there's this apparent order of rank among angels. I was looking at a website earlier today in which I believe they said there are nine ranks of angels, cherubims being one of them. Uh, I don't know. We know that in Genesis chapter 3, when God cast Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden, it says that, you know, sometimes we say... the cherubim and the flaming sword yeah, which turned every direction. Some people say he put an angel there to guard it, but the Bible says that, uh, uh, verse 24 of Genesis 3, he drove the man out and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims right. and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Uh, cherubims may very well be angels. I just don't know if, it, uh, if you could say for sure that they are exactly angels. The cherubims on the Ark of the Covenant had wings. Yeah. So if cherubims are angels, then there's and angels. Then, had... And then the seraphim in the vision of Isaiah in chapter 6, and it says seraphim stood above him, that is above God, each having six wings. Uh, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The they're Lord. obviously they're obviously spiritual beings right. created of God, but but are they angels? And that, that's the that's the connection I couldn't exactly make. Well, I, what I'm what I'm about to ask is not I don't want I don't mean to sound harsh. So Mark, don't take it that way. And this is not necessarily directed at Mark. Is what difference does it make if they do have wings? What does it prove? You know, so if angels have wings or if they don't have wings, what does it prove? It certainly if they do have wings. It doesn't prove that uh, they earned wings, as this nonsense oh, goes yeah. from time to time. You ever hear these people? Well, what was that? The, the movie, miracle on 34th? It's a wonderful life. It's a, a wonderful, wonderful life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every time of whatever. Every they time every, of every the, the bell December. rings, an angel gets yeah. his wings. I don't know. Hey, JB's we, out there. He knows what I'm talking about. We, we got we, we, uh, to go quickly here. Um, one thing about angels that we know is that they have free will. We talked about the fact that they could take a fall, a spiritual fall, and be punished for it. Mm-hmm. I think... 
one of the things that's interesting is that when they sin and fall, they have no plan of salvation, no oh, that's redemption. Right. That's right. That makes us more blessed than they in that mm-hmm. sense. Jesus sent his son to die for our sins, the sins of mortal man. Sure. But angels, apparently, when they sin, they don't have the opportunity of forgiveness. And, and you know, I mean, we can we can bat around what that means or, or why that is. Um, certainly, they don't have what we have, which is faith. That's not a slam on the angels. They have full knowledge. You know, they are in... Uh, or at least these spiritual beings are in the presence of God where we are not, and we walk by faith and not by sight. And so uh, I'm satisfied then that one who is not living by faith, as the angels would, they live by knowledge, if if I can make that case. I I'm, think you're right. I'm, I'm, I think I'm that's why they wouldn't here. have, you know, why, why they wouldn't have mm-hmm. a plan of salvation, because right. they were in a, a position above us in mm-hmm. the very presence of God. Now, uh, got to go to got to go quick, okay, Chris. Okay, we got to get to the subject that sure. everybody wants to know about guardian angels. You believe in guardian angels? No, no, I don't think so. I, I don't think the Bible teaches it. I don't I don't uh, buy into that at all. Let me. I, I I just don't know what to say about that. I I I let me give you the verses that. In fact, this is a question from Skip up in Greencastle, Indiana. Skip, we're glad that you're listening tonight to the virtual Bible study. He says, "What about guardian angels?" And he gives the verse Matthew 18 verse 10. Mm-hmm. Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones, for I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. Right. Now, I don't know. I'm not. I can't explain that verse. I don't know what that okay. verse means. Well, particularly. let's look at it from this perspective very quickly. What does a guardian angel do supposedly? Uh, if the guardian angel protects these little ones who are his disciples, does the guardian angel have the ability to protect the little one from being despised? Apparently not. Okay, so what? what again, where, where do we go with that? When I was growing up, remember, I grew up in the denominational world. I, I was always taught about guardian angels, that if you fell down in the yard and you didn't break your arm, it was because your guardian angel threw himself under you to keep you from breaking your arm. Of course, there were others who didn't have any guardian angels. Well, that's, angels. that's, that's just fantasy. I mean, <laughs> if there are guardian angels, you couldn't prove that's, that's right. the kind of thing they do. There's another verse that we might throw in the mix here, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. It says, to which of the angels said he at any time, sit thou on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Some people use that verse to suggest guardian angels. I think that what the verse teaches is that angels, I think it's clear that angels have an interest in the, in the salvation of mankind. Mm-hmm. Um but whether or not they are guardian angels sent to protect, for instance, Luke, Luke 15, verse 10 says, Likewise, I send to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. The angels are aware of what's going on here. They yeah. rejoice when a sinner repents. They're interested sure. in our spiritual situation. But whether, and it says they're ministering, uh, sent forth, ministering spirits sent forth to minister to them who shall be heirs of salvation. In other words, God has used them to accomplish his purposes right. in resulting in our salvation. Mm-hmm. It might have been in various ways to bring a, bring his message to fruition, yeah. reveal his truth and so forth. Sure, they had a place, and even in the time of the temptation of Christ, remember after being in the wilderness all of that time and he was tempted, remember after the last temptation the devil left and angels came and ministered to him? You know, again, I don't know how all of that works. I know that we have... 
the ministry now for us is the word of reconciliation. And so uh, that is what, and, and, and the comfort we have and the answer of prayer strengthens us and ministers uh, in that regard, serves us in that, in that fashion. Um, we got an email. Someone suggests that Revelation 8.13 says angels are described as flying. I think that probably goes to the wings question. Uh, check that out, well, Revelation, uh, Revelation 8.13. Okay, fl- flying is subjective now. I mean, I mean, again, Jesus ascended to heaven. You could call that flying. He ascended to heaven. No, which flying wouldn't necessarily mean he had wings. That's right. Okay, and real quick, we got one more email, and we're just out of time. Don writes in astrology. We talked about that earlier. Astrology is a practice that the vast majority of Christians would avoid, but when it comes to superstitions, isn't it amazing that they see nothing wrong with candlelight vigils, incense, ashes on the forehead, or guardian angels? After 9-11, I got an email at work telling everyone to go outside that night and hold a candle, as if that would do something. I think people are unnecessarily superstitious, and there's no basis for it, and God doesn't deal with us that way. I appreciate that comment from Don. One quick point about the angels flying. My translation was that Revelation 8.13. Mine says, then I looked and I heard an eagle flying in midheaven, saying with a loud voice, an eagle flying. And even if it is an angel in another translation, John is saying, I looked and I heard an eagle flying. Um, and so, um, the King James does says, I heard so an angel, angel flying through the midst it's, of heaven. It's something he heard. And again, we're talking about a vision, so it's difficult to say what he saw for sure, uh, just like it's difficult to say what the man that Paul described in Second Corinthians 12 heard for sure when he was called up into that third heaven. We're out of time. We've had a good discussion. I think a couple of interesting topics. Uh, sure. we, we don't often cover this sort of thing on the virtual Bible study, but people are really interested in astrology. People are very interested in angels. I periodically get questions mm-hmm. about angels. People would like to know more. We don't know all there is to know. God hasn't seen fit to tell us, but he's told us the things that are necessary. Of course, we believe that's true about everything. God has told us what we need to know. Chris, thanks for joining us tonight on the Virtual Bible Study. It's certainly my pleasure, and I want to thank the elders again for the opportunity. Thanks for coming. Thank you all for listening to the Virtual Bible Study tonight. We hope you'll make it a regular Thursday night appointment. Uh, We enjoy these times on the Internet, and we appreciate your participation. Spread the word. Tell others about the Virtual Bible Study. And Lord willing, we'll be here again next Thursday night, same time, same place. Be sure to join us. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study tonight. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.